Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 18th episode of Korea Startup Podcast. Today, we are with our co-host, Laida. Hello. And we have two special guests. This is the first time that we have four people in the same interview. First of them is Jaehee Chan, partner at Antler. Hello. Hi, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. And the second one is uh, he just came today. We, were, we weren't <laughs> expecting him, but it's a really good surprise. It's Gustav Birol, senior associate of, uh, in the global portfolio in Antler. Hello. Right. Hello. Thank you so much for, for having us. Can you maybe at the beginning say, why are you here in Korea? Sure. So um, I uh, am part of the global portfolio team at mm -hmm. Antler. And um, what my role entails is, is going to uh, our different offices around the world. Uh, we have 25 now and counting. Um, and helping our offices in setting up processes around portfolio best practices, mm -hmm. um, as well as building our community uh, on a global level. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also a lot of just personal curiosity um, to visit different locations. This is my first time in Korea. I just got mm -hmm. here on um, four days ago, so I'm excited to be here. Yeah, actually, you're lucky because you came with good weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More or less good weather, yes. Yeah. Well, Gustav is going to give a lot of insights maybe later when we talk about Andler. But let's start uh, with Jaehee. Okay, let's start with your background. Uh, what did you use? What did you study? Why are you here today? What's like your journey? I see. Um, so I started my career as a management consultant mm -hmm. um, at Booz Allen Hamilton. Um, I worked uh, like, uh, and then I worked at like large companies like such as Naver and Chael. Naver, um, if you don't know, it's a Korean kind of Google. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they, they have a portal and they have many different business than uh, Google, but Naver has been one of the major platform for Korea um, users um, for like internet content and communities. Um, and then Chael, which is a, uh, a marketing company under Samsung Group. Mm -hmm. um, I, I moved from Ch uh, Naver to Chael uh, because I wanted to have some global business exposure. Mm. Um, I was born and raised in Korea until I was 15, but I moved to the U.S. Um, and then went to uh, schools there and then graduated. So with this kind of um, background, I always had this kind of desire to have um, global business exposure. Mm -hmm. And what was, uh, because you, you mentioned also that in Korea, when you were working in these large corp companies, mm -hmm. you really wanted to um, that real you realize that you wanted to create your own company because mm -hmm. you wanted to test some ideas that in large corporations you couldn't. Right. So um, you know, starting my career at a pretty like a like a global company and large company, develop my careers in large companies. I always thought that I had a big brand name like behind mm. of me. You know, if I. Um, say, oh, I'm from like yeah. neighbor, I'm mm -hmm. from Chael, and everyone knows the companies. And I wasn't sure whether, you know, like it's the, the company or, um, you know, how, 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 um, yeah, maybe you, you didn't how know competitive if, I mm -hmm. am like okay. in the market. You know, I wanted to test my own ideas um, directly to the market to see if, if those are working. I mean, if you're working at a large company, I think the great advantage is that you get to work on a, like a large scale, right? Mm -hmm. But at mm -hmm. the same time, um, like you don't, you never know like uh, how far you can go by yourself when you don't have like a big brand name. 
um, behind of you. Mm -hmm. And after working in these corporations, uh, when did you move to the startup world? So right after Chael, um, I actually had a relocation to Beijing uh, while mm. I was at Chael and it helped the uh, China side of uh, business development. And that's the first time that I had thought about like maybe, um, you know, I, 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 want to, I want to start um, doing, considering doing my own business like testing my own ideas to the market directly. Um, Did you have many ideas at that time? Like, are you like the type of person that is always, oh, I could do this, I could do this? Or was something more mm, from time to time? I think it was more of like, you know, what if kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if I don't um, start now, will I have a chance later on? I think mm. the probability of me moving into smaller companies will be yeah. decreasing. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, when I was in Beijing, I was like getting a lot of inspiration, a lot of business ideas, you know, China was a very fast growing market at the time. A lot of startups were um, coming out and seeing that kind of a fast move um, and uh, yeah, and the, the flourishing uh, industry and the mobile internet, you know, startup and all that. I was like, you know, maybe this is the right time that when everything moves kind of fast and scale up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I actually think your mm. your experience is something that happens to a lot of Koreans, especially. It happens all around the world, but I think Korea especially, that they are, are a little bit forced to go to a big company to have a name and then have like a good career. Mm. What would be your advice for these young people that are going out from university, are thinking on like, should I build my own startup or should I go f to Samsung or Naver? You know, it has a pros and cons, mm -hmm. but um, if I were to go back to my university uh, college years, I would definitely try to build my own business mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's probably because like I didn't have that experience, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> early on. Um, but I mean, later on, I was going to go into like how I came to this idea of doing my own business. but. Um, I think it gives a different uh, level of responsibility in the very early on mm -hmm. um, and then kind of test your full capacity by every means. Even if you fail, I think it it will end up as a great asset for um, going forward in developing your career. Um, yeah, so I would I would advise like if you have something that you really want to try to build, definitely go for it. Um, mm -hmm. Don't hesitate. But at the same time, I have to admit that I learned a lot from working those mm -hmm. companies. Yeah. You know, I built my knowledge and experience around like digital landscape in Korea at Naver. Mm. Um, I would, I mean, the things that I do are um, built on top of that foundation mm -hmm. and the network that I created there. So I, I can only appreciate um, my experience at wor uh, working at a large company and then, um, and then experience, you know, building, building the product that influences a lot of users. I mm -hmm. mean, at that time when I was at Naver, uh, I think like um, 70, 80% of uh, the market share. Wow. Yeah. Um, in terms of like search. That's crazy. Yeah, quantity. Mm -hmm. um, so I think having that experience really made me think like what it means to create a, a product. Mm -hmm. 
um, to to serve the majority of your population. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then um, like developing the product like based on the user feedback. You know what you need to consider, and all those like experiences were really really um, helpful even until now. Mm. Yeah, because I think it's one of the main um, like obstacles for young people because they feel that they don't have enough knowledge. Mm. So why am I going to start? I don't know how to do anything. I have <laughs> to get a first care experience. But actually, one thing that a lot of founders say is that you really don't know until you do it. Mm. So sometimes you just need to start and see how it goes. But it's true that not everyone it starts from the same background and some people have it more difficult to, to start a business. But yeah, I think it's a really inspiring story and both sides have good sides and bad sides. You also created or at least were part of a startup, right? Tell us a bit about that. Oh, so I, <laughs> I joined like a startup after Chael. I joined the um, early stage startup. Mm-hmm. Now it's a uh, they they went on IPO <laughs> in wow. Korea. That's mm-hmm. great. So now the company is no longer a startup. But when I joined the team, it was like when I walked into the office in the first day, there were about ten people sitting. Wow. <laughs> was it a difficult decision to move to that startup and leave your whole Actually, career? Um, I was quite excited mm-hmm. about this new challenge in my life. Um, some people worried. Uh, uh, about me because I was moving into like a no-name company, mm-hmm. right? Um, compared to my previous um, workplaces, but uh, but I think I was only excited, you know. This is like my chance, really, to uh, test myself before it's too late. Mm-hmm. And and on one end, I was thinking, you know, I have more than ten years of experience working at large company. Mm-hmm. I can always go back if I Absolutely. fail. Yeah. yeah. So sure. I wasn't really afraid of failure. I I think just to, I I think I tried to tell myself that just welcome all the challenges that comes. Um, mm-hmm with this opportunity so I can really say at the end of the day I, I tried everything I, I mm. explored uh, explored uh, every bits of uh, this journey that I, I took mm-hmm. what was your role back in that startup oh yeah so the startup that I joined was uh, the name is wanted lab I'm I'm I, I checked it because mm-hmm. of your LinkedIn, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't hear it before. Yeah, it's an HR platform. Um, it was, was uh, you know, uh, these founders believed in the the best talents um, are hired based on the referral base. So mm-hmm. it was a platform where you can refer someone for a job, mm-hmm. and then the most person who takes the job and then who refers the job gets a reward, a mm. cash reward. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think what was so smart about Wanted um, was that they uh, they they started from like startup side when the startup was like growing really fast, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a competitive competitive advantage of like a, a great recruiting platform for, for example, engineers. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and then referral based, which is more of the like uh, the recruiters would say or HR um, teams would say that this is a this is like our preferred way of recruiting, right? I was um, in and I was in charge of like marketing, um, recruiting both the company size, like, you know, companies need to post jobs on our platform. Mm-hmm. And we also need to recruit the users, right, mm-hmm. who would apply for those jobs. We are kind of like matchmaking platform. So um, 
what I did at first was trying to develop the message that what do we want to say, you know. Um, there are, you know, the mm -hmm. old existing players who are very powerful. What would be our unique value proposition so that we, we could um, we, we could attract like the companies and the users. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to say people, oh, change your job, you know, the brand message that wanted should carry. I thought, you know, kind of, you know, I'm, I just want you to question like, what's your life work? Mm -hmm. What's the work that you uh, think is worth of your investing your time and effort throughout your life? Like, like in, in English, I think American English is life's work, mm -hmm. but I also thought life work sounds kind of better. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I suggested, I proposed um, the team that, how about we make our slogan, what's your life work, find your life work, instead of switch your job, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, if you think that your current job is your life work, yeah, fine, you know, you, you, um, you shouldn't change your job, but if it's not, maybe you can consider. Mm. Um, and also, if you see great opportunity, you could refer who, um, who you think as a right person for that job. Um, and all this kind of goes to a kind of greater goal of finding their life's work. And do you think those foundations that you build are still in the, in the company? No, I don't think they still use it. I kind of see like uh, the backbone a little bit, or maybe that's mm. like my wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, they changed their slogan. Um, I think for the last time when I checked, it was like um, uh, like uh, the way you like or like your style. Mm -hmm. okay. like of, um, A bit more abstract, but... <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just not recalling it accurately. <laughs> 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 but um, find your path, I think. Like, that's mm. um, just like who you are kind of thing was uh, mm -hmm. their brand, the recent brand message. But what I want to say was that this, the job is not uh, just, you know, it could be much more interesting if you if you think about if this is, this is worth of my time, yeah. for example, you know, if it has a meaning to you. Mm -hmm. So that was the uh, essence of branding that I wanted to bring out. And also, I wanted to, since we are startup, I wanted to bring different uh, values to the market. So when I looked into, for example, uh, the recruiting events, it looked so um, not serving the purpose in a way because Recruiters do not want to go to the recruiting event because they, they're not meeting the candidates that they, they want to recruit. The candidates do not want to go there, you know, dressed in like suits and like sit down at the booth and they're mm -hmm. taking the interviews kind of thing. So I was like, how can I change this recruiting event as more meaningful one? And I thought about, you know, this job opportunities are not just about yourself, but it influences your loved ones. For example, if you change your job, it influences more than yourself. Mm -hmm. So I created uh, something called a recruiting carnival. Okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. sounds interesting. It's a <laughs> recruiting event where you don't go to find a job, but to meet people who work at the companies who mm -hmm. are participating. So there is an HR person, there is like a, 
you know, a team leaders of the company, like who's recruiting. Um, and then you bring your friends and family um, just to kind of check out who, who's mm -hmm. working at the company, what, what, what are their company values, you know, what are their recent updates. So I, I created some kind of like I, uh, this ca carnival themed recruiting event. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how recruiting events in other countries than like Asian countries um, run like, but uh, in Asia usually it's like the same looking booth, like um, your company name mm -hmm. is on top and then, yeah. you know, it's just a, oh, like information kind of flyer distribution and then some people come and take the interviews. but. What we did was an open booth. So there was just a table, and then people will still decorate um, the table, but it's open for 360 degrees. So people can come and listen to the conversations that are ongoing. You can just jump into the conversation as if it's just a you know small a carnival that's holding a small town. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. there was a free flow of beer. <laughs> we held that at the WeWork, and then we had the benefit of WeWork's like free flow of beer. WeWork is amazing. Yeah, and also we played music. There was a live music band, and there was a tarot card reading about your like career mm -hmm. fortune. So we tried to make it more entertainment and less pressure about finding a job, mm -hmm. but you were just like, you know, building interest. Mm -hmm. um, and with that theme, we were able to recruit great companies, like global companies like Facebook, and then like at that time, a rising startup, Curly. Curly was a small team back then. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so we recruited yeah. like a little less than 10 companies and we invited about like 500 people. Uh, we had like probably more than 1,000 signups, but mm. we had to kind of cut in, uh, because of the capacity of the space. Oh, that's a, that's a very good problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the, after the first um, success of the recruiting carnival, we were able to expand that into other locations I wanted at that time. So I went to Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore, wow. um, and Taipei to uh, launch those recruiting carnival events. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Really interesting. Their, oh their yeah, story. I think I went yeah. on too long. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> Actually, it's really interesting. And then, right after that, is when you decided to join an acceleration program, five hundred. Actually, there was another startup in between. Okay. Um, the a, robots, right? It's a yeah, companion robot uh -huh. um, company. So you know, uh, when I, when you're working at an HR platform, like you always meet like a lot of startups, right? Or like uh, the company. A lot of companies, right, who are mm -hmm. interested in recruiting and always asking for help. I think at first um, I met in this kind of similar context, like I, I'm in position to help, like either with their recru recruiting and sometimes they ask for like marketing advice. So Toruk, the um, companion robot building company, approached me. I was like, can I seek your advice? Like we are trying to launch this uh, human-looking robot that walks, talks, dances, and makes you smile, but doesn't do much other than that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a companion robot, like a Ivo, mm -hmm. uh, made by Sony. Um, we we're trying to launch this product globally. Like, how would you do it? You know, can you just help us to really um, get our ideas going? And I thought the robot looks ama looked amazing. You know, it was cute. You know, it really made me <laughs> smile. So I, I share some of the ideas, how, how I would work on it. Um, 
And after a few meetings, they asked if I could join the team and then lead the global launch. Um, and when I was asked, I was like, oh, this is probably once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. Mm. I never imagined the robot to be part of my life this early, <laughs> <laughs> even though 10 years ago, Bill Gates said, you know, in your home, there will be a, mm. like a robot in every home. Like he has predicted, yeah. like there will be a personal computer at every, every home, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. But it still didn't happen and I didn't see it coming anytime soon. But when I saw the robot, I was like, this is a challenge that that I would actually uh, not like to miss. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's not an easy thing to put a robot and to change the society mentality <laughs> to accept a robot <laughs> in the house. consumer change of behavior. That's yeah. really difficult yeah. because actually, even at the day of today, there are not really robots. Like, We haven't reached this point in which robots are a common thing. Mm. It's a, such a difficult thing to achieve, but for sure it will come. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly, I was thinking like you, and then um, you know, of course, if the robot company succeeds, it's it's a, there is a proven track record of going IPO with a big number. Mm. So I was like, okay, this is something that I, I gotta I gotta jump in, uh, you know, this this like rocket, you know, like mm. I, I want to be part of this, um, and uh, I was like. Going, I, I went to CES, I went to MWC to show this robot, like to demonstrate and then like let people know that this mar- this robot is coming to the market, would you be interested, you know, and then trying to tab like where our business opportunities are. So I was out somewhere um, trying to get the message out like every one or two months. Mm-hmm. And while I was like running, um, running around the world with the robot, um, there was a fundraising <laughs> going on in Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the company wasn't very successful in fundraising. Okay. So that means uh, um, no production that, that we mm-hmm. kind of planned uh, to mm-hmm. do with the, the, the fundraising. So the management um, made an executive decision to uh, go back to the product development. Okay. Yeah. So the, all the business side people kind of let go. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I, that's when when I was kind of laid off. Um, I had a choice of staying, but I think I still remember the last conversation the CEO and I had. Um, he said, you're more than welcome to stay. I probably won't be able to pay you a lot I'll pay you back when we are back on track Mm -hmm. but you are at the prime time of your career Um, you can always come back when we are ready so after the conversation I was like I thought about it um, and I decided to take a break because I felt like you know my I was like um, running very fast very focused you know so Mm -hmm. I wasn't really looking further away, um, I, I basically didn't have any peripheral vision, right? Because I was like, okay, all about this, like launching the robot mm. next year. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, so during that break, uh, I, I went on, actually I went, went on uh, 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 traveling the world. <laughs> cool. where, where did you go? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I went to, at first, I think first trip was like Australia, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. Before that, I was in Russia and Tokyo, but very shortly. But the New Zealand trip was quite long. Uh, we 
uh, me and my boyfriend at the time boyfriend now husband uh, traveled the, like the whole South Island of New Zealand by car. Wow. Um, so cool. Yeah, uh, I I never saw that kind of like nature. Um, it's very different from this like you know northern hemisphere and then <coughs> southern hemisphere, right? Very different nature. So mm-hmm. it was it was a great experience mm-hmm. and also very healing. Yeah, and I guess that like was the first time in your life that you were really relaxed, no? Because in it feels way, that yes. in your career you <laughs> yeah. have been like boom 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 boom. I know. <laughs> yeah, so it was a much needed break that I didn't realize that I needed, mm-hmm. and I was kind of forced into it. But maybe you know, life never works as you planned exactly, right? So um, I think that's the time when I start to learn how to accept what's brought to your life in mm-hmm. a way. I mean, it started with a kind of robot because it kind of was brought to me. Mm-hmm. But by making choices um, uh, after that, I realized that, oh, this is maybe you know, time for me to take a break and see what, what I really want to do. Maybe this is like an opportunity for me to t- think about my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, we tra- uh, we traveled to like the U.S., um, Mexico, oh, no, Peru, Peru, Bolivia, and Chile. So you touched a little bit everything, no? Yeah, just <laughs> a little bit. And then we came back to Korea for our friend's wedding, and when the COVID broke out, like oh. at a larger oh. scale, so we couldn't complete the trip. I wanted to do kind of Northern Europe uh-huh. to see the the Northern Light, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're seeing that. Oh, uh, and then also Africa a little bit, um, but. That's, I guess, you can do it after later. another 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> you rested enough, now work again. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe an answer is possible, looking mm-hmm. at good stuff. Um, Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be able to work abroad. Um, yeah, so after that trip, I realized that maybe I want to do my own business, but I didn't have any conviction of like, you know, for example, like about an item, what's what's the business idea that I want to bet like my life on? Um, so, while I was kind of contemplating this 500 startups at the time, 500 global now um, opportunity came up, and at first I was just like, I'm gonna try it for a few months, like you know, short term job, but uh, uh, um, it it went really well. So the business that I was working on was 500 Global's um, partnership with governments and uh, corporates helping their startup engagement Mm -hmm. using our accelerator capability. Uh, So we were able to grow the business very fast and I was uh, very busy (laughs) working, developing um, that business. And when I realized I was further away from being a founder but closer to a venture capital mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and at a very uh, uh, good timing, I was invited to join Korea Fund uh, as they were preparing to raise uh, the third fund in Korea. So um, I started working on those. Um, and uh, last year, uh, it, it was reaching a, a milestone and it was I think it was going to the right direction despite all the difficulties of economic downturn. Um, and that's when actually um, Jiho, uh, our Antler Korea partner, reached out to me and then asking me to join Antler. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, he he listened to me. He, he was like... Um, what's what's your what what what's your 
what's at your um, life stage? What, what do you want to do, basically? And um, at 500, I, I wasn't a partner, I, meaning mm-hmm. that I don't have stake in the business. But Antler, he suggests to join as a partner, which means that now I can um, work more closely with Antler's very unique model of company generator with founders. And also, based on that experience, I can uh, invest, make an investment into startups. Those are the things that I felt like it very closely matches to my strength and where my passions are. And also the fact that Antler is a global company was perfect because my personal mission is to help Korean startups go global mm-hmm. because I believe that mm-hmm. there are great products and services are in Korea, but often uh, very challenged to go abroad. Yeah. And I believe with my background and um, leveraging Antler's gr- great network, we will be able to solve those challenges together and make, make things happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have great colleagues. <laughs> yeah. I can't say no to that. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I recently joined Adler, but the, all the people that I met, I can only say, oh, wow, Adler people are, are really, really awesome. Like, you know, they, the way they approached um, this recruiting process was very casual, you know, like Jiho introduces like global partners and then global pa- partners took time to talk to me. And it wasn't like, you know, let's test you, you know, let's mm. um, evaluate your capability. It was a very casual conversation, sometimes challenging, sometimes more of uh, the conversation line casual. But um, on a hindsight, I believe that they really looked at me from different angles and tried to see the balance of the three partners in Korea. Mm-hmm. So uh, other than Jiho that I mentioned, there's Gabriel. Uh, he used to be the team leader of uh, GS Retail CBC. Mm-hmm. And Jiho himself is a serial entrepreneur. Okay. And I come with a bit more diverse background, um, um, but three of us, when it's kind of difficult to explain on the spot, but uh, I feel like they really looked at the balance and how we can work together and then create synergy. Mm. So I really appreciate that they, they, they really took time to learn about who I am and how I can be the value to what they're building in Korea. And then at the same time, I, I had enough time to um, uh, do my own assessment of mm-hmm. like, you know, Jiho and Gabriel, my partners, as well as Antler Global. Um, and I think it, it work, it's working out great so far. I mean, <laughs> too short to say that, but I think I, I, I'm mm-hmm. willing to try, yeah, That's more. Right. And actually, one of the things that I realized in your story is that you have changed a lot your objectives during your career. At the beginning, maybe you wanted to go for corporate, then startup, now VC. All these moments realizing that you wanted something different how how did they make you feel? Was it something frustrating? Was it exciting? Um, or was it just, okay, let's do something else. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you mean you're asking uh, why my interests kind of changed? Like Yeah, maybe not that much why they changed, but uh-huh. how it made you feel. Like when maybe, for example, I can mm. give you an example, when you have something super clear and you work for that, and then maybe you realize, oh, that wasn't what I really wanted. I want mm. something else. You can feel that I worked for nothing or that ah. I, I don't know if you felt that in a way. 
Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> Just I'm trying to fast forward m- all my career and then see if I have any had any any moments like that. Um, I mean, actually, you were in the same topic o- almost all the time. So it's not that heavy as maybe you wanted to be a doctor and suddenly you want to be, I don't mm-hmm. know, a gardener. But <laughs> yeah. But you know, actually, you bring that. Um, I actually wanted to be a medical doctor when really? I was a little. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew it. I, I wanted, knew. To, wanted to save people's lives, but uh, I realized that I, I, you know, I wouldn't be happy always being at hospital and helping uh, sick mm. people, even though it's a, it's, it's a great, it's like, um, it's a work that's absolutely necessary, and I have a great admi- admiration for all everyone who's who dedicates their lives there. Um, I never imagined myself being working as an like an employee at a company. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to work at eight o'clock and mm-hmm. you come home at six o'clock. Those kind of life was never my um, dream dream job. But like I said, life <laughs> doesn't go as you plan, as you as you imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think early on in my career, I always asked like, what do I want to do? What is my strength? You know. Uh, what am I good at? How 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 can I how can I do better? Um, and I think I realized that um, I think I came to learn my superpower pretty late in my career. What is that superpower? I think. <laughs> I you think have to say is <laughs> this. Don't don't think about this. <laughs> uh, I think it's a business creativity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the creative, like, you know, that you can see, like, oh, it's not about, like, art, you know, like, it's not about, the, um, uh, like, uh, marketing creativity, but more of, like, business creativity. For example, oh, let's connect this and that and make it as a business okay. opportunity. Um, I think I generate those ideas pretty naturally. Like, Do you have any example? When I was in Beijing, okay, um, I was able to uh, uh, create a new account, basically, for our uh, branch in Beijing, our RHQ. And I think the reason why I was able to create the opportunity was the idea that I proposed to them. You know, in at the at the marketing company. Um, you always propose to your clients to buy your ideas, right? Mm-hmm. My idea at the time was a Korean entertainment, for, uh, the client was Korean entertainment company, and they were trying to uh, enter the market, China market, which is quite difficult because mm-hmm. there are a lot of restrictions mm-hmm. ar- ar- around, the, uh, around their business, which is content-based. Um, and just to s- jumping straight to the idea, like I suggested, um, they had this um, uh, product that's like kind of a concert slash convention. Mm-hmm. So you buy concert ticket, and before you go into concert, you go to this um, uh, kind of exhibition of brands. And then brands support the event because they get to meet like consumers. Okay. That kind of model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were trying to enter the market with the product, and then was asked kind of like, "What's your advice? How should we do it?" And I said, "How about we make it? We we brand it as a. How about we bring Myeongdong, which is the one of the 
most well-known street uh-huh. um, in Seoul. All the Chinese tourists probably want to check out Myeongdong. Uh-huh. <laughs> I live there now. <laughs> <laughs> so I was saying that let's create the Myeongdong street, the shopping district in Shanghai. So bring Myeongdong to Shanghai, mm-hmm. meaning that we can probably reach out to all the brands who have stores in Myeongdong. If we are creating Myeongdong in Shanghai, mm-hmm. your store must be there, it's right? Like kind of like a Chinatown, no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other way. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Myeongdong is like where all the like Korean cosmetic shops are. Okay. There uh-huh. is like restaurants and you know like attire brands, um, fashion brands, and all that. So if we create Myeongdong, I was thinking that brands will be interested in being part of mm-hmm. sponsoring that event. And also, you know, create sponsorship for tickets. We could brand that as like airplane ticket to Seoul. So mm-hmm. if you take the picture on the street in Shanghai, people wouldn't know whether you're in Seoul or Shanghai. Mm-hmm. But give that kind of experience. And I also connected the uh, online shopping platform idea to that because uh, for offline events, it's always the challenge that clients provide. Uh, clients ask, you know we have to spend this much money to meet just a one day our user offline we don't have any data uh-huh. you know mm-hmm. that we can track so i said uh what we tried to do uh, my idea was like connecting um the shop the online shopping malls like jd jingdong.com or taobao mall mm-hmm. so they can scan the qr code and then deliver ha- buy there but deliver it to their home which means that they can enjoy their concert without you know like, yeah, taking yeah, all the bags. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then also brands mm-hmm. can have the information who's buying their products because they, you know, work together with this shopping mart platform. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, the the idea was sold uh, at probably several multiple of the their usual project side size, and then I was like trying to roll that out, but it it didn't happen. Okay. because mm-hmm. of economic reasons. Okay. So I had to come back to Korea. Mm-hmm. But um but that was that was the first time actually that I I I felt like I was really testing my own idea, trying to sell it to yeah. my client um and trying to execute it and we were so close rolling it out. Um we even got the permission from the Ministry of Culture, mm-hmm. wow. but it got shut down. <laughs> well, it is what it is, but you did yeah, the whole yeah. process. But I had so much fun working on the project. <laughs> I, I got to know so much about what, what it is like to do like entertainment business in, in China. Mm-hmm. And um, the scale of business is very, very different from Korea. And mm-hmm. I think that's, the, um, that's what attracts me to really um, go back to my personal mission of like you know the global, the global. expansion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's, it's so exciting you know like to see that kind of like in scale growth that you can drive with an idea so I believe that somehow my superpower can be used um, for 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 our portfolio companies <laughs> <laughs> and help help them expand their uh, business like it doesn't have to be overseas but like mm-hmm. I, I always love um, solving problems with founders um, listening to their problems and thinking together with them like how we can solve this problem mm-hmm. and I, I always try to bring some creative business creativeness um, or creativity 
to to really think outside the box and then mm-hmm. see if there is any other ways that we can overcome this challenge and continue to grow our our business. Mm-hmm. Is there any specific field that you usually prefer to I don't know give advice rather than others? Or you know, I don't think <laughs> I'm at the best uh, VC in bio or like <laughs> man- deep tech manufacturing, <laughs> but. I, to be honest, I would love to learn about those Everything. and then be helpful. But I think I'm more of like, a, a, you know, the foundation mm-hmm. of business. I believe business is defining what to give and what to get, right? Mm-hmm. What are you going to give and then make your users to pay? What are your value proposition? So I always go down and deep dive those fundamental building blocks so that we... Uh, so that's why I love about Antler, you know, this ultra early stage investment and then accelerating work because that's when we build um, the building blocks up, up the foundation of our business. And mm-hmm. I, I, I really enjoy um, tackling those mm-hmm. fundamental things mm-hmm. with our founders. Uh, before you mentioned portfolio, mm-hmm. so I want to say, Gustav, mm-hmm. what is your superpower? <laughs> <laughs> My superpower. Um, well, I think part of it is um, like the reason why I came to Antler is is that I actually uh, was part of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so okay. as a founder, and um, I guess my superpower is just a bit similar, maybe, but like more like eagerness to to learn. Um, and I think that's one of the the main benefits of of working at Antler is that because we are. Uh, extremely early stage, um, and we are sector agnostic. We invest in, in anyone in any in the sector, uh, more or less, wherever in the world. So um, the the great thing, especially for for more junior people that comes into our firm, is that you get exposure to so many different fields mm-hmm. uh, and so many different regions as well. So you learn, you know, a bit about everything, more or less. Um, and for me. I think that's that's fantastic, and so uh, just spending a lot of time with the founders that we have in our programs, learning from them, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and also um, more on a community side, I I, ra- I love to just um, help founders help each other in a way. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, just connecting them uh, with each other because um, they are. A lot of we have now invested in a bit more than 750 portfolio companies globally, and many of the challenges that uh, our founders are tackling right now, we have similar companies in other regions doing quite similar things. So they can learn from each other, uh, share learnings, mm-hmm. and you know avoid sort of running into the same pitfalls uh, mm-hmm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I try to facilitate that as much as I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you say are the, the biggest pitfalls that you have realized over these years? Or the most common ones? Mm. I think the biggest pitfall and the reason why Antler was started in the first place is because people don't really have uh, the right co-founders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the... Uh, that's, that's tricky. That's the foundation Antler was built upon, uh, uh-huh. that we, we believe in... Um, Sort of, I guess, as the first startup you were working with, that we um, we believe that great people know other great people, mm-hmm. and uh, if you if you put great people into a room, then often you see that magic sort of occurs mm-hmm. uh, quite naturally, even. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, 
But it is tricky when you have people like myself and, and you as well here in, in Korea, where you don't really have an established network, hmm. then it's great to then be able to tap into a program like Antlers um, and be in a setting where you have like-minded individuals also keen to, to start mm. something. Um, so access to the right co-founders, I think is probably the biggest pitfall. Um, and then the second, I think, is the funding, the lack of funding, mm. uh, especially in, in early stage. Um, it is quite difficult if you haven't raised money before. And especially if you are in a foreign country, it is quite difficult to, to raise money. Mm -hmm. And so having more of an institutional player like Antler that invests in the earliest of stages, I think is um, uh, removing that barrier, I guess, of uh, becoming an entrepreneur and starting a business. Mm -hmm. And maybe also like um, going deep into Antler, what are like, would you say that the main um, points of uh, main differences between Antler and other type of accelerations. I think you mentioned that one thing that you found really fascinating is the due diligence of mm. Antler. Yeah. I would like to know more about it, especially because it's so early stage. Like, mm. how do you really analyze that? Yeah, so I can start and yeah. maybe Gustav, you can help me to elaborate more. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think w what distinguishes Antler from other um, early stage VCs is that um, we, our program recruits entrepreneurs and those entrepreneurs going through our program find their co-founder. So we don't invest in to the teams that um, doesn't have a co-founder. So we don't invest in single founders. Mm -hmm. So co -found, having a co-founder is very, very critical um, for, for analyst model. Um, and, uh, and another thing is that going through that program, we, uh, we are working very closely, uh, with the founders. So we are able to see them in many different situations when they're stressed, when they mm. are, mm -hmm. um, when, when they're recruiting like, uh, a co-founder with, uh, kind of an, with an idea mm. and how they, uh, uh, interact with each other when they do not have ideas, but trying to kind of um, be part of the um, ideas that are that have potential up. So we look at how these um, entrepreneurs find each other and develop this idea into a business, and we are able to see their ability. Uh, in many different angles. Like how what is the most cr crucial one that oh. you're looking for to see in an entrepreneur? Is there a most crucial one? <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good question. Um, I think one of the things that we think is very important is grit. Um, mm -hmm. And to try to explain what we mean by that is many of the startups or like many of the founders that we um, accept into our programs, the been within large corporations for quite some time. Um, so I'm not sure here in Korea, but I think on a global level, I think the, um, the average age is, uh, or average um, work experience is somewhere around 10 to 12 years. Oh, really? To enter in Adler? Yeah. Oh, so wow. um, uh, that's we're on a global level, though. So I'm not <laughs> sure in Korea it might be. We are quite similar. Yeah. So okay. um, I mean, it's not like our preference, but mm -hmm. uh, 
like the way we measure is like um, there there are many different categories, and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. one of them is the maturity and experience level. And okay. mm. you, you need know. a balance, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming back to grit, then that some of these. Um, on average, then you know, worked at you know ten to twelve years in large corporations, maybe you know Samsung here locally, um, and then for them to step into a founder role is, you know, it's quite difficult because you're used to a certain lifestyle, um, and then to all of a sudden we have you know no pay, um, mm-hmm. and you need to really <laughs> bootstrap your way uh, for quite some time as an early stage founder before you you know, have sufficient funding to actually pay yourself a decent amount. But even then, it will be far away from the lifestyle you're used to. So for us, seeing that these people still have the grit to really, you know, do what it takes to spend the next uh, the next years, I mean, it's probably take them 10 years before they could even consider, uh, you know, an IPO and feel, feel lucky, right? So uh, um, it's just having the mentality of, you know, getting, uh, deep into the, the details um, and uh, getting stuff done. So um, that's one thing. Uh, and then similar to when we um, choose the partners, so similar here in Korea, we, we're looking at the balance, right? And one thing is the, the three H. Um, so you want to have one hacker mm-hmm. that sort of builds yeah. the thing. Um, so more of a full stack developer. Um, you want to have the hipster that's sort of more like maybe front end, but kind of packages the whole product nicely, uh, makes it appealing to, to users. And then you want to have the hustler that goes out and you know sells the product mm-hmm. um, and gets investors on board to, um, to get them to um, you know, get to that next stage. So mm-hmm. if you have those three, then we think you have a pretty solid uh, early stage team. Mm-hmm. And so when we do a recruiting, we're looking at these types of people um, and see how can they fit into uh, a founding team. Would that be equivalent to CTO, CMO and CEO? It can be, uh, although in the, you know, in the earliest of stages, titles don't really matter too much because they will be doing everything everything in, in the beginning. So it's more of and it doesn't have to be three people covering these three areas uh, as long as they can and it could be two people covering all three. Mm-hmm. Could be could be four. Mm. We probably you know yeah. two to three is probably our, our sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as long as you can cover those three areas, then mm. you should be on a good path. Yeah. So our program from like a launch to demo day is like six months duration. And the first mm-hmm. three months, like six to twelve weeks, we run programs for the founders. We run master classes. We have boot camps and ID sprints and whatnot. So, so in it's that like a huge academy, no? Uh, like you yeah. learn a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's almost like a startup school. Yeah. You could call it, I guess. You have to be full time. That's uh, our mm-hmm. condition for um, you to join our okay. program. And um, in Korea, like very similar to what Gustav already described, because we 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 do run as a global company as one platform, so it's very similar. So first batch we ran last year, we had about 900 applicants. We selected a little less than 80 people. We formed 32 teams, and then we invested in 16 of them, mm. and 14 of them were featured in Demo Day. Okay, so actually mm-hmm. it's a good percentage now, like almost 10% of applicants got in. That's not 
Uh, nine hundred to yeah. They start from there, yeah. Mm. But we end up like uh, investing. Yeah, we don't like, invest in like, yeah. all these. Less than five percent, okay. right? Yeah. Yeah. So we we really try to kind of do the all the due diligence during that duration. Okay. When I say like this um, uh, emphasis on due diligence, I thought um, that was pretty impressive because when I was at other companies, the how many times can you meet and decide mm. yeah. whether you invest or not. Mm. And in the early stage, you always say you you invest in people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very difficult to do the human assessment in, yeah. in a few meetings. Mm. Uh, but you have to, right? So you look into other things, you do the reference check and everything, or you believe in the area that you, you always wanted to find something, you know? Mm. So it's a mixture of everything, and I think there's nothing wrong with that approach. Mm. But even earlier stage, like us, ultra early, like investing in like entrepreneur level, like form team in a six months within the six months time frame. Uh, this just long due diligence really builds some confidence in mm-hmm. um, a partner like myself, who of course. who needs mm-hmm. to make an investment decision and be responsible. I need, yeah. I have a responsibility to return the money to LPs. It it really helps because I know what I'm investing in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah do, do you think that gut feelings play a big role in investing in early stage? Uh, gut feeling. I yeah. Think like, it it does play like, you know, there are like vibes you feel from mm. different mm. people, but that's not what we rely on when we're making investment decision. I think Antler is very, very um, heavy on like data analysis. Mm-hmm. Like mm. we collect, that this data is not just like num- wow. numbers, you know, it's quantitative and qualitative. Mm. So we have this platform called Fusion where we collect all the data of all these entrepreneurs that we do okay. the assessment. So we are very, very heavy on like believe in the data, but we don't say that's all about you know mm. our investment decision making. Of course, there's five, right? You feel something when you meet human. There's <laughs> energy, so that those things also, of course, to be taken into consideration. But I think um, there is no like twenty uh, percent of energy, twenty percent of something. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a good balance that we are looking for. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the the, the beautiful things, I guess, about the model is that technically we can invest in all the founders that comes into the program. Um, so it's not a, like trying to shoehorn in, you know, mm. certain amount of companies in this sector, certain amount in that fec- sector. Um, but it's all about us building conviction during this program. Mm. Uh, and like Jay mentioned, that can be in, in many different ways. Um, but it's... Uh, it is certainly coming back to your question about what makes us and our due diligence process different is is uh, the human factor. I guess that we do spend you know three months in this program uh, before we make our investment decision. Mm. Whereas typically in VC, you might have a twenty-minute yeah. introduction meeting um, before the first cut is sort of done, and mm. then you might have a second meeting, you know, up to forty-five minutes if even. Uh, and it's pretty hard to make an accurate or fair decision in that short time. Um, so I, I'm lucky that we have three months rather than yeah. just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how was it for you? You were there the three months, no? No, so I, um, okay, coming back to when I started, I, um, 
I was actually there for like a couple of days. And because right. during my first day, I was so uh, impressed by Antler as an organization and, uh, and the team that we had in place. I was in Sweden, in Stockholm. Um, and uh, yeah, it kind of threw me off a bit. And I realized that the best way for me to learn more about you know, building a venture-backed company is probably not to be part of the program, but to be part of the Antler team. That's also something that you that you thought no at the beginning when you yeah. enter 500 and yeah. then you realize that uh, maybe now <laughs> maybe right. now I want to yeah. go to VC. Yeah, I wanted to learn everything about how Global Accelerator helps mm. like founders mm. and you know when I have all these building blocks and luckily if I meet like a co-founder through uh. our programs, <laughs> I'll have everything. But none of that happened. <laughs> I mean, I, I learned a lot. I have a lot of knowledge of a startup accelerator and then also experience of what it is like. Mm. And I think, I don't know, many years later, when I'm like, I don't know, 60 years old, maybe I can start my own. It's so never like late. All those like, you know, I mean, you know, we, we live longer. So mm. maybe the 60s, new 40. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Oh, that's a bit of a make it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. In your case, what happened to you? Why aren't you founding anything now? So, <laughs> so I joined about two and a half years ago. Uh, and like I said, I, I came into Antler because I wanted to build something. And then I realized uh, for me at that point in time, I, I thought it was better to actually be part of the Antler team and, and learn from the founders um, and seeing, you know, hopefully being able to better judge what kind of separates um, a founder that, you know, kind of goes all the way from the founders that somehow don't. Like, what is it that they don't have that the other founders do? Mm. Um, so um, this is, you know, it's been, it's been a ride, a uh, roller coaster, to say the least. Antler <laughs> is, you know, almost, uh, you could say, a startup in itself. Mm. Uh, we've grown rapidly since, mm -hmm. since we were founded. And uh, it's just been great to be part of this expansion internally within Antler and seeing and learning from all of our founders and portfolio companies globally. But I will definitely jump back to the other side of the table uh, at some point hmm, and, and build my own thing. <laughs> and if that's next year or if that's you know 10 years or 30 years down the line, let's see. Um, but I, uh, I definitely want to, to try it out. Mm -hmm. And we, we have heard that uh, Jay, his ultimate goal is to help Korean startups to go global. What is your ultimate goal? Ultimate goal, um, well, the ultimate goal is hard. I think the, yeah, the first- I said personal mission, so you could switch that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one, uh, one mission for us, or mission, but one, one target at least for us in Antler is having our, our first unicorn on a global level. Okay. And, uh, you know, let's see, um, I, I have, pretty high hopes uh, that um, mm. we have one. Uh, Do you have any name? Soon. So one uh, that I am really excited about, I'm actually using their service right now. It's called Aerolo. It's an eSIM. Okay. And mm -hmm. uh, it helps me a lot when I'm traveling around the world um, to uh, never been able to, you know, I don't need to change the SIM card. I don't need to get wow. another phone number. That's a huge problem. It's just the same uh, wherever mm -hmm. I go, which is, it's great and it's very convenient mm. for someone like myself that travels to, mm. to foreign countries um, to have access to data. 
because we don't have yeah. data, Absolutely. especially in Korea. It's pretty hard uh, <laughs> to get around. Definitely. We were the first yeah. three or four days searching for a place to buy yeah. a prepaid SIM card. Because there are many places. I'll send you a discount code yeah, too. Please. Well. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because now uh, we are studying we are from a university. And yeah. now 200 Spanish students mm. are arriving since January to June. Oh. So we sold all of them, like the 200 SIM cards. Yeah. We went to the airport and we gave them the SIM cards and they paid us and we got like a commission. Wow. Because we knew that this pain is huge yeah. and they yeah. also face it because they all usually travel. Yeah. So we, we've got a business out of it, but maybe <laughs> the, our business is going to be broken by this. It's <laughs> <laughs> a short term thing, don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a, that, that's one company that, that we were very excited about. Uh, and uh, it's also, uh, you know, because you use it, I use it every day. And mm-hmm. So uh, uh-huh. it's just great to have, you know, close contact with the founding team and uh, being able to also help them out with, mm. uh, you know, user feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so really let's see by by end of this year um, <laughs> how things are at that point. Uh, but that's that's one I guess target at least for for us at Antler. Mm-hmm. Um, and for myself, uh, I think it really is just starting a business and. Uh, and uh, yeah, I won't say much more than that. But we'll let <laughs> Second unicorn, <laughs> but that one's yours. <laughs> Maybe, let's see. Uh, many of the unicorns, unfortunately, now obviously things are, you know, changing a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's also about, you know, building, uh, it's called Zebras. Mm, um, yeah. So, you know, more impact companies. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's been a bit inflated now looking at valuations uh, and I think maybe in a healthy way of looking at things is how much uh, impact you actually have more on the social level mm. as well. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So the ESG factor, I think, will be very important going forward. Mm. Uh, not mm. at least, you know, from the LP discussions we have mm. with our investors. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be very important going mm. forward. Mm-hmm. And also maybe talking about the specifics of Antler, how much is the funding that you give to the entrepreneurs and the teams and for how much equity? Do you want to take this for? Yeah, in, in Korea, like every country is a little bit different, but I mm-hmm. think we are somewhere a little less than 200K US dollars okay. for 10%, right? Yeah. Uh, it's always the same. Market. Never changes. It varies um, a bit in mm-hmm. different regions, okay. but typically that's Typically around that. the standard investment. Um, but it's all on our website, mm-hmm. so anyone can go in and check yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and also about the... Um, like, who would you recommend to join and learn? I think you were mentioning a lot of specifics people can guess, but if you would have like a like an action call to someone, yeah. who would that person be? Oh, that's the beauty. I mean, it can really be anyone. Uh, mm-hmm. No, you know, no matter what age you're in. Uh, I think our youngest one has been 14 years old. What? Uh, and I think our oldest has been, at least to my knowledge, uh, 78. Um, So, uh, you know, it really is an an insane span uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to age uh, and when it comes to, you know, industry experience, then Mm -hmm. it's also, it's really from all parts of of sectors and there's really not a uh, one size fits all, Mm -hmm. I guess. It is just um, as long as you have a passion, a burning passion for for, solving a real problem, we're happy to have you. Mm-hmm. And how is one day in your life working on Andler? 
what do you do? You wake up and what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> First step. <laughs> Why we are running program uh, as a partner, my job is to uh, like run office hours for our founders, mm -hmm. um, be there just for for um, uh, to to help their growth. I guess their um, their um, how should I say, be part of their journey, mm -hmm. very early journey. Um, so. I think my daily job um, goes into like big three parts. One is the most important, our program, working with the founders. Um, not least important, as important, but uh, LP, like meeting potential LPs and managing the existing LP relationship. Um, and the third part is working with our team, like understanding our team members, like career, goals, aspirations, how they can, how we can success, how we can set each other for success. Mm. I think that's um, something that I really want to build um, at Antelope Korea, that we are here to help each other to succeed on our jobs. So I, I think that's, that's something that's really important as we help our founders to succeed. Um, mm. And we, of course, want to want our LPs to be successful, you know, mm -hmm. at the end of our um, fund. Uh, liquidation. So those are the things that I distribute my time every every week, every day. Um, yeah. Mm. Can you distribute your time accordingly to like, are you the one who decide what am I going to do now? Or is someone telling you um, scheduled? For the most part, yes. Mm -hmm. But I open my calendar to our founders so okay. they can book my time. Mm. Um, that so in a way that's that's not on my discretion but um so you wake up and you see three more meetings today <laughs> that happens quite often oh. <laughs> <laughs> um i think when i first joined Antler, i didn't really have a full picture of how my daily will look like <laughs> and one day i arrived at the office and then saw six meetings back oh, to back wow. oh. uh, including <laughs> lunch meeting so that that day was in a way like wow this is Antler. <laughs> 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 yeah. But you know, I was physically a bit tired, but mentally I was pretty pumped mm -hmm. and I was so inspired um by um all this like energetic interactions. I feel mm -hmm. like I could go more, you know, maybe mm -hmm. I could do like eight back-to-back -back meetings. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I would love that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I felt energy mm. left at the end of that day. I mm -hmm. think that's that's really tells something to me that I, I feel like you're in the right place no? yeah I guess mm. so I think mm. I really feel like I'm creating value mm. Um, mm. here and there and, and it's a great feeling mm. and I want everyone who's working with me and with us to feel the same mm. that we are you know making a progress as Antler always says progress is inevitable mm. Mm -hmm. so we are, we are creating value on that mm. well yeah I uh, I have a bit of a, a short story here on uh, so before I was working at a fund management company um, and we were um, managing all kinds of funds really except VC funds mm -hmm. and uh, I was living in Luxembourg um, very small place in in mm -hmm. Europe um, 
and uh, the second largest fund center in the world uh, after the US, um, which is pretty crazy given the size of Luxembourg. Yeah. It's 500,000 yeah. people living there. Um, and 500,000 only. 500,000. Like but city. then every morning it's about 250,000 that commutes from the neighboring countries. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so oh, yeah. the traffic is horrible. <laughs> but I, uh, I was working and living there. And then I was speaking with my uh, Swedish friend back at home. Um, he's working as a psychologist. And he was, he was just starting out working. And he was telling me how much he is longing for Mondays. And that he's really loving his job. Mm-hmm. And... I was thinking for myself, like, wow, I never really had that feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I never really would. You know, how fun can it be? It's a job. You know, it pays the bills, but that's about it. Like, it won't probably be much more than that. And uh, fast forward, uh, I'm now at Antler, and I am actually yeah. looking forward to Mondays. And so mm-hmm. I really think that that says quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, just sure, it, it is, you know, quite hectic. There are quite a lot of meetings, but you often get better energized from these mm-hmm. meetings because you're speaking with founders that, you know, all of them are coming from very different backgrounds, but they all have one common trait, which is that they all, all want to solve huge problems. And it's very inspiring to listen to them uh, and, you know, hear how they want to more or less change the world. And so, uh, yeah, to answer the question, I, I just, uh, I love that part of the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we welcome everyone who wants to work <laughs> with yeah. me, Gustav, and you know, how many staff do we have worldwide? And now it's bu- it's hard to count, but I think it's closer to 300 now on a global yeah. level. 300, yeah. 300 um, enter people. We, we are waiting for you. Yeah. Um, whoever is listening. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we you are opening our application in Korea in May. Um, uh-huh. Our program starts probably in October. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, if you're on the LP side, I would also would like to invite you to be part of this um great development and movement. Um, mm. uh, we are raising Korea One in the midst. Mm-hmm. We are hoping to close it in this year, Q3. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in investing in Korean startups, I would love to have conversations. <laughs> great. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe last question that we mm-hmm. make to all of our mm-hmm. interviewees is like, could you recommend one source of learning? It can be a book, it can be an author, it can be podcast a podcast, it can be programs. anything you want. Yeah. <laughs> it's an app that does mm-hmm. bite-sized sort of content, so it summarizes books, podcasts, mm. articles, uh, in short, like 15-minute uh, readings. It. I use um, it. The app is called Blinkist. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's great. I mean, you probably don't get all the learnings mm. um, you know, from actually reading the book, mm-hmm. but I think for the use case that I do is that it's great to just get into introduction to the book. Mm-hmm. And then if I think like, okay, this is probably you know, a lot of value in here, then I will actually get the book and, and read it. Um, but it's great because, you know, obviously there's a tons of readings you want to do on a weekly basis, but it's hard to actually mm-hmm. do them all. But when you have this, you know, 50 minutes, you can get that on, the, on your way to the work or, or home from work. And um, yeah, highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in your case, Jehi? Um, luckily, I, I was asked uh, the similar question uh, <laughs> when I did the uh, interview with our marketing team. They asked, like, are there any books that you want to recommend uh, right. for founders, to founders? And uh, 
I recommend three books. So it's mm -hmm. in the blog post. Um, if anyone's interested in looking into, I will introduce one of them um, now. It's a, it's an, it's called Integrity, Integrity, mm -hmm. and by Henley Cloud. Okay. Uh. Uh, I read this book actually more than ten years ago. Recommended mm -hmm. by my mother actually, and I think it made me think about the word itself, integrity, what it means um, in life, um, and what value it carries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we always say the early stage, like startup, mm. accelerator, investment work is all about people. And when you put integrity, uh, when, you, when you put integrity next to people, you know, I think it gives a lot of insights about like, what it means to work with people with integrity. Mm. I think venture capital is the business that um, has to be built on trust. Trust is very, very important. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to build, but easy mm. to kind of break Looted. down, mm -hmm. yeah, lose. So I always try to remember that, and it's all about the, the trust that you build with people. You know, um, so I think our business is very, very heavily um, uh, like embedded in this kind of concept, understanding what it means to be trustworthy and what it means to have integrity. Mm. Great. That's actually a great mm. one. So uh, I think this is our third time doing it, uh, this blog post. Mm -hmm. I think I believe it's called the books all founders should read in 2023. And we had did it for 21, 22, and now 23. So um, it's on the Antler website. And there's tons of books mm. recommended from not just Antler team, but also from our founders. Okay. So um, that should be a good also, resource. Yeah. You can check that also. Good tip. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, Gustav and Jehi, thank you so much for coming today. It was a yeah. pleasure. Thank, thank you. you for having thank us. Thank you so much. Yes. It was fun, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it was really nice. Actually, it lasted a lot of time, but for me, it was super fast. So that's a yeah. good sign. <laughs> well, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. If you want to keep updated on the Korea startup ecosystem, don't forget to follow us. And if you have any question or you would like to participate in one of our interviews, send us an email to koreastartuppodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.